This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Your intuition is like having your own personal language. Valeria Tellis interviews Catherine Wilkins, the author of Soul's Brain, The Neurology and Logic of Your Intuition. Chiropractor, veterinarian, founder of Fractology, and author of The Soul's Brain, The Neurology and Logic of Your Intuition, Dr. Catherine Wilkins is passionate about conscious intuition. Fractology grew out of her own need to resolve the conflicts in her life between science and intuition, as she was born an intuitive cuckoo in the nest of a scientific family. Turning her science mind onto the process of intuition, she deciphered the principles of this powerful skill into a step-by-step -step system that anyone can use. You can read all about it in her book. Having a conscious process turns your intuition into an everyday skill and importantly, teaches us how to use pattern-based and system thinking to move past our old right-wrong thinking and open to expansive solutions for the future. This type of thinking shows you the superpower hidden in your own authenticity. The more you live according to who you truly are, the more expansive and fulfilling your life becomes on all levels, and the more mutual this expansion can become with all those around you. The system Catherine founded, Fractology, shows you how to do just that, and she has shared all those principles in The Soul's Brain. Meet Catherine at fractology.info. Here is the interview with Catherine Wilkins. In your own words, who is Dr. Catherine Wilkins? <laughs> well, I'd say it's, it's me, of course, but that for me, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like, because if I, if I asked uh, you or if I asked your listeners to close their eyes and, and visualize who they are, most of us would, would see our body. We'd see what we see in the mirror. But that, to me, that's not who I am. And I think particularly when you're working with energy or you're working with intuition, it's very important that you understand who you are as energy because who we, who we truly are is more of a resonant field than anything else. So in, in a very real sense, when you, when you focus on your, your energy, it's who I really am is I'm that resonance. Now, I can give that resonance a name. I can, I can call myself Catherine 
because actually the meaning of Catherine is pure. And so if I'm purely my own resonance, that, that works for me. But, right. you know, another way to understand it is for us to look at what our core values are, you know, is. And our core value for most people, they may there are many values that are important, of course, but for most people when we peel back the layers, we come down to one core value. And for you know, many people, it can be many different things from creativity to generosity to love to truth. For me, it's integrity. And if I had to kind of like a homeopathic, if I had to put a label on my resonance, that is what the label would be. So that is who I am. When all parts of yourself come together, there's no gaps between what you think what you say, what you do, what you create, everything's one. Yeah, absolutely. So this is why integrity and integrated Aye. have a have a similar root meaning. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How are values different from beliefs? Ah, well, so, I mean, in, in some ways we could say we're just arguing semantics, but we need we need to use words so that not necessarily that we can understand things in ourselves but so that we can communicate understanding and for me your your core values they they're like principles like so they they they're immutable they don't they don't change how we express them may change we may get clearer on what they are and because of that our ability to align to them may change but they're they're inherent so it's the more work we do to to let go of the things that actually aren't us that that don't fit in that integrated way the clearer and stronger our values become whereas with our beliefs because our beliefs are actually a result of our conditioning or experience they're they're kind of our beliefs are temporary in so far as they're actually a construct that we've made up about the world about reality and so often when we do that work to let go of those things that aren't fully integrated to who we really are that don't fit or to real you know realign things so that they do fit better we find that our beliefs will change and you know, when we're doing the work well so that we are getting that deeper sense of ourselves, our beliefs will enable us to, to work with reality in a more effective way because we, our beliefs will morph over time so that we can have a clearer understanding of reality. But sometimes they can start in a very different place. Right. You're saying that it's already imprinted within us somehow. Is that the biology, our psychology, or that would be spiritual? I guess it. I guess that would depend on your belief. Mm. <laughs> uh, in the sense, I can right. tell you. See the the work that I do, yeah. which is the fractology. We're looking at the underlying structure of your energy, which is in a very real way, the the structure of your consciousness or of who you really are. 
And, uh, you know, so to me, those values, it's kind of like if we, um, when, okay, so this is, this is a very spiritual way of looking at it. But for me, when your consciousness, when that eternal part of you came into creation, so when when the divine source sort of found the individual divinity that is you, it decided right. This is the part. This is the part I am going to play in the co-creation of all things. So for me, I am going to to actually be generosity walking incarnate on the planet, or love walking incarnate on the planet, or in my case, integrity walking incarnate on the planet, and. So, yes, I do believe that it is inherent and I believe that that's why the more that we do that work to let go of those things that are not part of our integrity and to strengthen our integrity, the stronger and clearer our values become. Because if it was something that we'd adopted afterwards, it, it would get weaker as we became clear on ourselves. And as for things like biology, well, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because our values, then, when, if our, if our, because our biology, like the rest of us, can get a bit haywire at times. It can, you know, strange things can happen. And if it was tied up with our biology, you'd think that that would lead to some kind of then confusion around what our values are. But, and actually, yes, okay, it can sometimes, when we're having a challenging time, it can sometimes be challenging to hold to our values. But if we do, they're often the key to actually healing, which is bringing those those other parts of our system, including our biology, back into that integrated state. Speaking of spirituality, what is your idea and understanding of spirituality, Catherine? Okay, well, so if you've if you've read my book or you're familiar with it at all, you know that I I think that one of the things that really would benefit all, all of us is to get off this whole right wrong way of mm. looking things at things and actually start to operate from this well, not surprisingly, this <laughs> integrity-based way of looking at things, uh, which, you know, for, and to me this is what the distinction between what we could re- call religion and what we could call spirituality. So with religion it's, it's going to tell you don't do that, do this. Like that's wrong, that's right. So this, this series of rules that you're supposed to follow, whether that supports your integrity or not because just you know the the rules are the rules and that's what makes you a you know in inverted commas good person and as i said that to me is religion with spirituality to me is actually what we've just been talking about doing doing your best every day to be who you really are and if you simply have an intention that every day I'm going to be more of who I really am and I'm going to express that more clearly in the world, that is a spiritual life. So to me, spirituality is 
just you being who you really are because as you know in you know, in the soul's brain like my in my book I'm I talk about the fact that for me at the very least whatever the divine source is at the very least it you know that has to be following good engineering principles you know so if 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 you need a gadget to do a particular job okay so you don't like if if you need a heater you don't go and get like a a cooler like a fan or you know and then and then yell at it for not heating up the room right 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 mm-hmm. so if if the divine source needs a part in the co-creation of all things taken care of, well, then that's what we are going to come in as. We're going to come in with the alignment for whatever our inherent purpose is. So the more that we live according to who we truly are and the more we express that clearly in the world, not only are we taking care of who of of our spirituality from the point of view of being who we really are, but whether we're conscious of it or not, we will be fulfilling our part in the co-creation of all things. So, for me, that is that is what spirituality is, and yeah, it has nothing to do with religion. Although sometimes there is a little bit of an overlap, of course. How do we know when we are? coming together in such a way when we are there even. Do you think that there is a destination when it comes to being who we are? Ooh. Uh, well, it's both of those things, but the the tricky thing about thinking of it as a destination is that then you're constantly putting it off. It's constantly in the future, which yeah, right. at the very least has got to be a very frustrating thing. Yeah. Um, True. And the, the yeah, and the problem with looking at it as a process is that sometimes that doesn't always support us to have that internal alignment, that level of integration that we need. So this is this is one of the reasons why you know I I talk about systems thinking. So at uh, because it not only helps us stay off that right-wrong thinking, but it's a really effective way about going about things. So, so a very simple system, you know, again, I talk about this in my book, the, the Soul's Brain, the Neurology and Logic of Your Intuition, and this is the logic part of it, is because the, the logic of your intuition and, and or spirituality, it is this system's thinking. Now, for a, for a very simple system, you need three things. You need you need a purpose, or yes, that destination, if you like, um, and you need a way to know if you're on track for that, or if you've got off track. And then, so that's the second thing. And then the third thing is you need a way to get back on track when you're, you know, if you've got off track. And and so it it's that self-correcting part of it that is the difference between a system and a process. So, yes, if you have an authentic goal or dream, you can use that as your purpose, but if not, that's one of the reasons why being clear on your core value is really helpful because that 
that, you know, just being who you really are, be learning to embody your value more, that can be your purpose. And then there are there are various ways to so whatever it is that, that works most clearly and effectively for the person. Uh, so because there are different ways for us to learn how to know if we're on track for that or not, even just knowing your core value. Like if your if your core value, let us say, is like integrity and then you you're doing something and you can feel that what you're doing it doesn't sit right with the rest of you well then you know that okay so that's perhaps something I need to correct so no just knowing your core values can be helpful on a you know on a mental level uh on a, a feeling level I I talk about something called the soul seat which some people call a high heart it's actually over the the thymus because that's part of your immune system and because this systems thinking, it actually fits in with how our whole system works anyway. That's why it's so effective. Because our thymus, our immune system goes, this is me, like this is Valeria or this is Catherine, so I, I'm going to look after it. That bit's not me, so I'm going to get rid of it. So by learning to pay attention to feeling in that area, that's a really strong way to do it. And, of course, if we develop our energetic awareness to the point that we can, we really know the energy of our of who we really are, whether it's just on a pure, you know, energy level or on the, the fractal level, which I teach, then we can perceive directly whether what we're doing actually holds that energy or at least is harmonic with that energy or if it, really is out of harmony with with our own energy so so we can know whether we're on track for who we really are or not and then if if not obviously we need to tweak whatever we're doing to get it back on track yeah that sounds really good to me this idea of practicing self-awareness just being present more often Absolutely. Well, whatever whatever you practice, you know, you're going to get better at it. You're going to get more of it. And if, if spirituality is being who you really are, well, then that's what you need to practice. You need to practice being who you really are. And you can't do that without being aware of who you really are. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Catherine? <laughs> well, that's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so from a human perspective, of course, it's for us to achieve our purpose or on a more practical purpose at level it's well, yes, to learn things, but I think the I think the part that a lot of people leave off that is I think life is for fun and learning. And I think the fun is really important because when we are being who we really are, we are operating within that within that co-creative flow of the universe and that's that is that state where of just joy I mean that's why people say things like follow your passion follow your bliss because they inherently when every part of us is aligned it feels joyful it feels fabulous so yeah life is for fun and learning and as long as we are having fun and we're learning, particularly if we're learning about who we really are, 
the rest will take care of itself. And then the fun and the learning comes, uh, turns into us becoming who we really are incarnate. And then that becomes not just being us realizing our potential as a human, but starting to know who we really are on that divine level, which leads to us fulfilling our purpose, not just in our own life, but in a way that we support other people to increase whatever our core value is for them to actually be able to increase it in their life, which is how the co-creation works. So, so my integrity, my, my value is integrity. Somebody else's might be abundance. Somebody else's might be love. And it's like, well, they're all pretty cool values by themselves, but when they're, they're all, coming together and they're being expressed simultaneously, well, now you've got a really delicious kind of like soul soup that that you can create, um, you know, life in such a way that like that works for everything. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Uh, freedom is one of those fun words because it's it, what a lot of people think it means it's in the same way as when we first start to become who we really are the so if you if you're familiar with the word independence well there's actually kind of like two stages to independence so the first stage is we are at least making choices for ourselves rather than making choices based on other people's expectations or whatever but to begin with we don't really know who we really are. So we're making those choices from our ego, not necessarily from our our values or who we really are. And so, of course, they're the two different ways we tend to look interpret words. So when we look at freedom from an ego kind of way, most people think that freedom means, well, I can you know, do whatever I want. I can run around, I can eat everything, I can drink everything, I can, you know, I guess sleep with everything. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, so they essentially Mm. most people think that freedom means the absence of consequences. Right. But you know, not only is that an impossibility, that's like thinking that if you drop something, it's not going to fall. But it's it that doesn't actually help us be who we really are either because without consequences, we don't get feedback. And without feedback, and even the people who talk about, well, I want, I want my freedom, they want feedback from other people about what if – what they're doing is, you know, cool or not. Um, I mean, the whole social media thing is all based on feedback. So we want feedback and because of the way that, you know, physics creation, you know, the world works, there is feedback in everything. So freedom is oddly a little bit like commitment. They're actually... For, I know this might do a lot of people's heads in, but to me they're, they're the flip side of each other because of the, the fundamental freedom is the freedom to be who you really are. And when you ask people, well, how would freedom feel to you, 
really what they're describing is the state of not actually freedom, but the state of belonging, the state of being appreciated, the, the state of being supported, the state of being loved. So freedom actually is when we are being who we really are. And so, and that, which, which is where the paradox comes in, because it means that the key to freedom is commitment. Because to me, the only true thing that you commit to, you can commit to is being who you really are, because everything else is actually a duty or an obligation. But, you know, commitment comes from that state of integration. And so that's also where freedom comes from. Another interesting answer I read somewhere, I'm not sure, that we are only free when everyone else is also free. Yeah. Does it make I, sense I, to, yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, because, you know, of course, as humans, you know, we empathy is really important. Mm-hmm. We're aware of other people's experiences. And importantly... When, like, when you when you are experiencing joy, that that joy, you know, the joy of freedom, for example, of course, the the, the experience of that joy is going to be more complete when you can share it. Of course, um, but that doesn't mean that the joy that you feel by yourself is invalid. You know, because that's, see, to me, if you're familiar with the the, the whole concept of, you know, codependency, independency, interdependency. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Right. So the thing is, so yes, when we can have joy that is shared with others, you know, authentic joy, then then that's that's interdependent joy, absolutely. And that is the best kind of joy out there. But it doesn't mean that independent joy is not valid. We, um, because when we're saying, oh, well, you can't really feel joyful unless everybody is joyful, well, that's kind of like saying, well, you can't achieve a realisation of who you really are unless everybody knows who they really are. It's like, (laughs) no, no, it's like, because, but there are these, but with, you know, I know we're going to be talking about intuition in a minute, but um, like intuition, we we talk about there's that internal alignment, which is that integrated state we were talking about. And then there's the external alignment, which is how we express it in the world. Well, to me, I, I actually have a distinction between joy and happiness, and I think that the the kind of statement that you you know, which is sounds very in in many ways like almost like a codependent joy, um, is that it's because yes, joy and happiness are you know kind of like kissing cousins kind of like thing. They're very very close, but then they're actually different states. Or at least, if we look at them with this distinction, it it is very helpful. So for me, joy is that that it comes from inside. It comes from that state of integration. So, in a way, 
because it's all about us having that alignment with that in ourselves, it's very personal. And so sometimes other people won't get it. I mean, you know, that the whole story about, you know, Van Gogh, he, he, he sold, you know, there's arguments about whether he did actually sell any of his paintings in his lifetime or if he managed to sell one to his brother-in-law because his brother-in-law was just trying to give him money. But people did not get his joy in painting in his lifetime. Um, so does that make his joy, I mean, certainly it made his, his journey harder, but the internal joy did it lessen that? But it, but the happiness, see, because to me, happiness is external. So, you know, when you when it's a beautiful day, it, of course, it's easier to be happy. When when you get that perfect cup of coffee, it's easier to be happy. You know, so you can have, you know, when you go on that once in a lifetime trip. Yeah, it, there are thing external things that sure support our joy, but the problem for most people, I think, why they get confused between joy and happiness is because sometimes when we don't know how to get that integrated in state inside, we have to rely on the external alignment of happiness to trigger that internal joy. But that's that codependent state. But because the, the essence of independence is unconditionality, that I can be who I really am regardless of the conditions. And one of the symptoms of us being who we really are is actually being able to tap into that joy inside. Now, sure, you know, you want to, it, it's necessary to be appropriate with it. Like you, yeah, when and express it appropriately to the external situation. Right. But and and when happiness meets joy and joy meets happiness, well, yeah, that's really fun. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't and although of course we we prefer to have the the external conditions reflecting our internal state. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to that spiritual state, the the challenge or the test of how we're doing, if you like, is, well, can I be who I really am and can I feel the, the joy of me living in that alignment even when those happy external states or external things are not there? So what is empathy to you, Catherine? Okay. So, again, this is one of those words that, one of the beauties of the English language is that one word can do so much work. So empathy is at its simplest is the ability to appreciate other people's experience. So if somebody has grown up in a different culture or with a a different gender or just in a different uh, socioeconomic situation, of course, they're going to have a different experience to us, and that because we haven't actually had that experience, it may kind of, on one level, make very little sense to us because we haven't had that experience. But empathy enables us to be able to appreciate 
that experience anyway. Um, one of one of my favourite authors, a, a guy by the name of Neil Gaiman, he talks about the fact that one of the reasons why reading is is so important is because it enables us to practice empathy. Because if we if we can exp- appreciate the experience of some book, you know, of a of an orphan boy living in a magic school. You know, and sadly, none of us have had that experience. None of us have been to magic school in that sense. So if we can appreciate that, we are practicing empathy. So um, the thing is, is that on, on its surface, that that's what it is. But this is why empathy is, it's kind of like, this is also the beginning of intuition, because Intuition for me, it it has two really important functions, quite apart from the, the fun stuff that most people talk about, that it enables us to have a sense of what's going to happen or what is happening elsewhere. You know, just on day-to-day life, it has two really important functions. One is because intuition, you know, some people would say it's even there in the word, you know, the, the tuition that comes from inside, is that intuition tells us about us, you know, like this is it because it's that part of our system that is working to help us get clear on who we really are and how to express that in the world. And it's also helping us to grow. See, our our left brain logic is really good at knowing the stuff that we already know. That's why it likes likes thinking in terms of right and wrong because, you know, if we already know how we like our tea or how we like our coffee, well, then we can know whether the cup of tea or coffee that we've, hand, we've been handed was right for us. It can be as simple as that. But intuition it enables us, see, for me, goals are, are things that, you know, because they talk about goals being, you know, smart, measurable, actionable, realistic, time-dependent, all that stuff. But that tells you that a goal is from inside your current reality. It's it's something even, so you might have to expand your skills or your resources or something in order to be able to achieve it, but you're already know quite a bit about whatever this goal is but a dream a dream is from outside your reality so this is why when we say to somebody well how are you going to achieve that and they go I don't know I just really would think that would be wonderful if I could but that's what your intuition is for it's for actually throwing your heart over the fence as they say and then letting the rest of you follow so and yet doing it with a sense of confidence because when you're outside your reality, you don't know stuff. You And so much of our fear comes from fear of the unknown. So if we don't know how things are operating and we don't know how we're going to get there and we don't know how anything works when we're outside our reality, if at the very least we know that whatever's going to happen out there is going to build a better us it's going to help us be stronger be more of who we really are help us express ourselves in a more fulfilling way 
then it's still going to work for us, even if we don't know how. And so it gives us that confidence to get outside of our reality. And if you think about what empathy does and why it's so important, empathy enables us to take our first steps in practicing stepping outside our reality. Because if I can practice the reality of how it is, you know, to like at the moment, for example, like diff- people's different experiences with the, the challenges of, you know, of, of last year and the ongoing challenges that we still have. I mean, different people have experienced it differently. That's a very being able to appreciate that just because, you know, for us it's it's been not so bad or it's been really bad doesn't necessarily mean that other people have had the same experience and and being able to empathise with that, that is the, the beginning of actually appreciating that different realities work differently and it's okay. We can act, learn to step in and out of different realities and the more that we can do that, the more that we open ourselves up to our intuition. And so, yeah, so empathy, you know, a lot of people talk about it as just being able to feel how somebody else is feeling. But for me, the more complete kind of empathy is being able to get somebody else's experience and therefore teach us, enable us to learn how to open up to experiences that are completely outside our current reality. Talk to me for a moment about the greatest misconceptions about intuition. Oh, gosh, there's quite a few. One <laughs> is that, of course, I suppose we'd have to start with the, the fact that for a lot of people, they say, oh, it's not real, it's just a coincidence. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So the interesting thing is because I, you know, I have – kind of science background I grew up in you know that that was the beliefs that I grew up with if you like and it's not that I don't have that till today it's just that see the the true essence of science is understanding that how we understand reality it's never really going to be complete there's always more to understand so the true essence of science, oddly, is never entirely believing anything and never entirely disbelieving anything because you you know that everything potentially may have an element of the truth to it and there may be other truths that you haven't yet, you know, understood. But you see, the thing is when we look at intuition, um, with anything that isn't real, it means that if it is just a coincidence, it would only ever happen randomly. So if it was just a coincidence, if it was just because we were seeing patterns in the world that really don't exist or whatever, then there wouldn't be people in the world that can do intuition consistently. There wouldn't be principles that enable us to learn how to do it more and to actually get better at it. There wouldn't, 
So, and there are, of course, people. There are, there are people who, if you like, are intuitional superstars. There are people who, you know, my students among them, of course, uh, who once, once they learn the, the, the principles of intuition, a lot of which, of course, as we've been talking, are very similar to the principles and the skills that enable us to just live as who we really are more and more every day that wouldn't actually then uh, increase their capacity for, for intuition and obviously the results that they're giving, getting with their intuition. But there are. So in, I won't going back to where we started this conversation about integration. Um, so when people learn to recognise that internal state of when everything's lined up, they know that you know, if, they're, if they're getting an impulse, like an intuitive impulse, when everything's lined up, that that is their intuition talking reliably. So uh, so that's one is that intuition isn't real, but we've shown that it is. So that's, that's that. The second one is, well, it's just your subconscious, you know, interpreting things. It's just because you've been trained in that area, you pick up a lot of subtle cues that wouldn't, you know, necessarily, you know, people wouldn't necessarily know um, consciously. And so it's just a, it's just subconscious pattern recognition kind of thing. Again, it's like, okay, well, yes, that's, that is, that's an understandable misconception because, because one of the things that intuition is actually doing, it's, it is kind of like learning to see with your brain rather than your physical senses. Cause the, the whole world is made up of all of this energy, right, this whole spectrum of electromagnetic energy. And some of the energy, obviously, that enables us to talk from a distance, that enables people to listen to this podcast. So that's, that's part of the energy. Now, we might have the physical senses to hear it, but uh, we don't have the physical sense to actually sense, like the, the radio waves, you know, or the the microwaves that are sending out the podcast. But it doesn't mean that our brain, which is also electromagnetic in nature, can't respond to that. They, they've either, they did a study at Stanford that actually showed that you can put people in this, they call, it's called a Faraday cage. It's basically, it. it's a kind of electromagnetic bubble. And they can change the magnetic field inside that inside that cage. They can change the direction of the magnetic field. And the the people who were volunteering, they had one of those um, those electron uh, those electrode caps on, you know, with all the little wires attached, so that they could they could see what was ha- you know the activity in the person's brain. And by changing the electromagnetic field, they could see that people's brains were responding. Now, sure, some people's brains were responding more than others, but, you know, and some people might have even had a bit of a, a sense of it changing and some people didn't, but their brain still responded. So which is why sometimes the other term for an intuitive is they called a sensitive, which actually is a term I kind of like because that's in many ways, that's what it is, is we're learning to pay attention to more subtle or more sensitive signals. Now, 
the whole thing about, oh, yes, but it's just your subconscious. Yes, because, you know, that it's it's works best where you've been trained. Well, it, it is, that is true, but it isn't true. It's true in the sense that our ability to interpret those subtle signals, of course it's going to be more reliable, more effective where we've been trained. You know, so, you know, my training around, you know, healing, of course, you know, so I had a client who, uh, you know, actually she was a naturopath and she was a bit annoyed with herself because she had some chronic fatigue that she couldn't work out. And she came and saw me and I said, well, it, you know, it's feeling like Epstein-Barr virus, which is, you know, the chronic fatigue virus. And, and she said, yeah, but I've, she said, I know that and I've already, you know, she'd already treated herself for that. And I said, yeah, but it's got a buddy, like there's another virus in your system. I said, and I, you know, I said, oh, gosh, I, I know this. And I had to go back to my veterinary days. And it's like it, it was it was actually this, I said, oh, it's this pig virus. And I told her the name of it. And she said, where would I pick that up from? And I said, I have no idea, but I get that it's been in your system since you were six. And then she looked at me in shock and she said, that's when my auntie got pigs. So, you know, there's no way my subconscious knew that, my point is. And, you know, those sorts of things happen, you know, not all the time necessarily because they don't need to happen all the time, but they happen often enough. Like, you know, so the times when I've been talking to people about, well, you know, I've, I've told them, I you know, about where things have come from and they go, you know, perhaps from their childhood and they go, I don't remember that happening and and I would say, well, you know, if it's one of, if it doesn't matter, I mean, what matters is we get the situation sorted. But so often then people will go and, and check on that and, you know, it will happen, you know, and then, uh, and then they'll find that whatever we were talking about, it's like, oh, actually, yes, that 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 was that. Um, and then, of course, there are people like Edgar Casey and people like this that who could consistently tell people about things that were at a distance. You know, off like I, um, one of my clients, she was uh, she was getting symptoms of incredible stress in her body which is why she came to see me and she she came she came from the country and i said to her look this i'm getting that it's um there's heavy metal in your water tank and that you need to scrub you know get your whole water tank scrubbed out now when you live in the country you're not going to go and empty your, your water tank on the the say so of some some strange woman. So, no. So she actually, you know, and and she went and had the water tested. Now, you know, of course, because I was, you know, so. And the interesting thing is, I I described to her exactly the setup of her water tanks, you know, what they looked like, where they were, and all this kind of stuff. Which, okay. So, I've never been to her property. I had no idea what her water tanks looked like, um, but what I described was specific enough that she went, okay, well, we should at least get the water tested. Now I will say, you know, I thought, I thought that it was lead, but that was my interpretation because I, 
you know, that's not something I know a lot about. When she had the water tested, there was heavy metal contamination in it, but it wasn't lead, it was cadmium. So, and when when they actually got that all cleaned out, got that all sorted out, then, you know, she got better. So my point is, is it's like, yeah, you know, that was, well, it was, at least it was accurate enough and there was, you know, and I was picking that up from a distance. I mean, she lives, you know, out in the country. Yeah. I'd never been there. So saying that it's just your subconscious, I mean, there is an element of truth to that because the more you have training, the easier it is to, for you to match up that energy with with that with that reality. And so your interpretation is going to be better. Uh, so, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is just your subconscious because you are picking up energies that aren't from just immediately in front of you. Yeah. Can intuition be taught? Absolutely. And because I suppose, again, that's one of those other misconceptions that intuition is inbuilt yeah, or right, it's yeah. a, it's a gift yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, you either have it or you don't. Well, right. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because like every every skill out there, we know that there are gifted individuals. Yeah. You know, right. um, not not every one of us is a you know is a is a hatted chef. You know, yeah. cordon bleu <laughs> chef. Not every one of us. Right can just sit down at the sewing machine and and whip up some amazing creation you know so you know yeah you know, every single one of us i mean we we sure we can all sing in the shower but you know for sure no doubt yes but it, it's not necessarily the kind of thing that a lot of people would say we necessarily that we have a gift for so oh, right you know, so of course, intuition is is no different, uh, and so the the interesting thing about uh, intuition, bear with me when I say this, yeah. intuition strangely can be a little bit like comedy. Let me let me explain that, because for a lot of people, a lot of um, kids growing up, you know, if they've been grow if they've grown up in quite you know, difficult circumstances when they've been perhaps bullied or something, they often develop comedy um, or being funny as a as kind of survival strategy. Well, yeah. of course, you know, if we have been growing up in difficult circumstances. We often develop intuition as a survival strategy as well. Yeah. And not, I don't mean that every intuitive person is a comedian. I mean, right. <laughs> I mean it can right. also be a survival strategy. Right. Um, <laughs> so, because of course, our intuition is about us being us, about maintaining that internal alignment. And yeah. so, and, and this is why a lot of people think that intuition and of course it, it talks to us often most strongly when there's something you know dangerous around or you know don't go that way because if you do things might go get unfortunate or whatever um so sure some people you know, think that 
you know, it's just that because of the circumstances of their life, they got to practice it a lot. It's it's the same thing as like, well, you know, Mozart got born into a musical family. Like his father was the court musician at, in Salzburg. So if he hadn't been born into a musical family, would we know him as the musical prodigy that he was? Because he wouldn't have been able to practice that from an early age. So if when you're little, like if you come from a family just like Mozart's family who were, um, you know, very much open to intuition, whether they thought about it as intuition or whether they thought about it as just being really creative because creativity and intuition, they are, again, creativity is more about expressing who you really are on the outside but you know you know you know has to start with tapping into that intu- you know you whatever it is that spark inside as well so it starts from that integrated space you know the more authentic you can tap into that state the the more creative we often are so so many of us can grow up practicing it for because we have a creative intuitive family or because we have very difficult circumstances. So the so we, we grow up practicing it. So we think that we have we have uh, you know a gift for it. And we may have a gift for it, absolutely, but it doesn't mean that we can't get better at it and it doesn't mean that it can't be taught because if people became in inverted commas naturally good at it because they practiced it. All that we have to do is figure out, well, what are the principles of this skill and how do you practice it? And, like, again, in my book, The Soul's Brain, I talk about the fact that, well, that's actually how they used to talk about music. We used to talk about music as being, you know, people who were very gifted because because we didn't, you know, go back far enough, you know, actually before Mozart, we didn't necessarily understand so much about the relationship of the different notes and, you know, mathematically the the frequency of the different notes and pitch and rhythm and, you know, scale, you know, all these different things. But, of course, now we understand the skill better. Now it doesn't mean that everybody has a gift. You know, one of the reasons why I talk about music so much is, I think people who are musical are amazing because I, yeah, that's not a gift I have. But, um, but interestingly, of course, because with both with music and intuition, there is this relationship between them because they're both working from energies in a way. Um, but yes, absolutely. So, um, but just like with music, once we once we were able to look at it and go, well, what are the what are the principles of this skill here? Now, doesn't mean that anyone who is creating music is going to use those principles the same way. Of course not. That's why they're principles, not rules. But music, uh, like intuition, is the same. Once we understand what the principles of intuition are, we can teach them. And I know that because I've been, you know, one you know, years ago I sat down to see if I could work them out, and you know I've got clearer of, on them over the years, of course. But I've been I've been teaching people how to strengthen their intuition, God, for you know, yeah, quite so- a while now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Catherine. 
for doing this because we do need to access our intuition and develop it a lot more. I often wonder why so many of us don't do it. They shy away from it. They are even afraid of listening to that voice of the unknown, which I call inner wisdom. Why do you think so many of us are even afraid of tapping into our own intuition? Well, unfortunately, uh, that's probably because of one of the negative effects of being or of the fact that most of us are brought up very much in this right wrong thinking. Yeah, yeah, right. So, see, when we're brought up in thinking in right wrong thinking, naturally we want to be right because, yeah. you know, it's better than being wrong. Um, <laughs> but um, the problem is, is that when we're taught to assess everything, not from the basis of like, is this really me? Is this my integrity? Is this going to help me be more of who I really am? But assess everything from the point of view of is, is this right or is this wrong? We, when we get an impulse, that will be our response. Our response will be, well, is this, is, this could be wrong. And particularly when it's talking to us, as it remember, that intuition talks to us most often about things outside our current reality because that's a big part of what its function is. So because of that, because it's talking to us about things outside our current reality, the chances of us being wrong from a logical point of view is pretty high. And so when we can't, when, when we don't know, see, when the the cost of thinking, approaching everything from a right-wrong perspective is that it teaches us, unfortunately, not really to trust ourselves because when we have an impulse, we not, not only do we, in terms of right and wrong, have a tendency to beat ourselves up and make ourselves wrong because weirdly we think that somehow that will help us be more right I, don't get the logic of that, but that seems how, how it seems to work. So versus when we learn to operate from systems thinking, from that integrity-based thinking, we and we get, okay, well, I don't know how, I don't know why or how this is right, but it 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 is lined up with that integrated state. So this is this may not be, you know, the truth in in the objective sense, but it is a truth because it is it is lined up, you know, with me. And so, intuition actually has two parts to it. It has this internal alignment and then this external alignment. And the difficulty is is that it's a little bit like the iceberg, you know, principle that not only is you know it icebergs only become really visible when there's a lot going on on underneath the surface because we need to learn to have a really strong internal alignment to for it to be able to really be able to tell us a lot about the external world but you know most people are only paying attention to the external stuff and and in some ways fair enough because the external stuff is the stuff that is relevant to them probably but the thing is, is that when we can feel that internal alignment, that's kind of like phase one of developing our intuition. 
But then phase two of developing our intuition is then being able to extend that internal alignment reliably out into the world and find, okay, how does that help me line up the way that I'm going to navigate my life? And when we, when we do that, that's, you know, that's the, it's the external stuff that people pay attention to and that, you know, fair enough because that gets you results out there in the world. That's the stuff that people want to learn. But, you know, it, again, it, it's a little bit similar to that thing that I was talking about with joy and happiness. It's like, you know, the happiness is cool and we all enjoy it, absolutely. I mean, who who wouldn't? But the thing is, is that it's we're always going to be able to enjoy it more when the happiness is actually an extension of the internal joy, not when it, you know, because if it's just if it's just the happiness without the joy, then then it will be, be kind of random because it's so dependent on the external factors. Whereas when we it comes from that internal state and we're learning to that becomes consistent, reliable, that internal state. And then we can recognise when things are lining up externally into certain states. Right. Oh. Oh, how many times I have to say I love, love, love a thousand times everything <laughs> you say. It makes well, yeah. so much sense. Yes. Right. Well, of wow. course, um, if I can just put a little plug in for my book, yes, you know, The Soul's yeah. Brain, The Neurology yeah. and Logic of my, of Your Intuition, that's why I wrote the book because these principles are things, the principles of intuition, they certainly will help you develop your intuition in, in a very systematic way, but also they're principles that will benefit your life generally. And most people aren't necessarily aware of these principles. And that's why I put them all in the book, you know, with exercises and things to help people get started. So in speaking of your book, I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Sure. But before that, Catherine, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Soul's brain, the neurology and logic of your intuition. Well, um, I hope you're going to. <laughs> so... There are a lot of great passages in this book. I mean, because, of course, being me, I, I put things in there, you know, from all parts of different things. So some of the book is about um, yeah, the intuition itself, you know, but it, it draws on physics, it draws on spirituality, it draws on music, it draws on so many things. Um, Yes. So one of the things that um, is, you know, important is that because we've been talking about, you know, so, sorry, where is it? Yeah. Um, there, because, see, um, right, so I will just want to read this bit. So, yeah. <laughs> See, because the thing is, is that we were talking about why people don't don't trust themselves with their intuition, and that's a really important point. Okay, 
So this is why I want to read this bit because intuition, not it's not only that because um, it's like any relationship. Your intuition is a function of your relationship with yourself. And just like your relationship with other people, your relationship with yourself, like trust is really important. So that's why I want to read this one. When your destructive aspects peak out and disrupt your relationships or stop you from achieving your dreams, it's tempting to blame your shadow. What's the shadow? It's a part of you with the worst reputation. At least that's how it's generally perceived. It's like that moment at the Christmas party when you met your boss for the first time and were so desperate to impress that you made a fool of yourself. Or the other time when you had great plans to get fit and signed up to join a Sunday morning running club, then every Friday night you drank so much that you slept through the run. Doing things that get in our own way is self-sabotage. Our shadow gets the blame, yet that's not all the shadow is. Rather, that's an un- what an unhealthy shadow is. Okay, so it's a bit like what you eat. When you don't understand about nutrition, you might eat all sorts of things that taste great but are terrible for you. That's your shadow. Once you know a bit more and so that you understand your shadow, then things get healthier. So when you're getting – I'm just going to skip a bit because otherwise this is going to take a little bit long. Okay, so because – When you're getting really close to having everything you want, when your chosen desire is almost about to manifest and your energy is really strong, yet your alignment to your integrity may not be complete just yet. What turns up looks like your desire but isn't aligned to who you truly are. When you're close to true success, it can seem like you can get everything you want if you only give up a little bit of yourself or your integrity. Uh, The problem is that'll never work. In relationships, a devil's contract, because that's what a devil's contract, that's what I call a devil's contract is, is giving up a little bit of who you really are, may appear as the love of your life, only they're already involved elsewhere, so your connection would start as an affair. In business, a devil's contract may be a lucrative contract with your dream client, only they're insisting you circumvent some regulation. In life, a devil's contract may may be an invitation to join the cool crowd, the beautiful people, but when you do, you realise the group is dominated by a bully. In each situation, it may appear as if you're going to get what you want and the only cost is giving up a tiny piece of you. So I wanted to read that now because... The problem is is that this is one of the reasons why people don't listen to their intuition is because they think that in some ways their intuition is this magic box that's just going to give them the freedom to have whatever they want um, and somehow rather it's going to fix all of that. But actually what your intuition does, that's that's putting the horse in front of the car. It's like... Actually, what we're doing with intuition is getting the horse back in front of the cart and saying, no, the first thing you have to be is completely who you truly are. 
because if you're not being completely who you truly are, it's not going to work for you, not in the long run. And so if you follow if you follow who you truly are, not only will your intuition get stronger, but you'll manifest what you really want and in a way that will build your self-trust and will build your integrity and will build your intuition. So that's why I wanted to read that it's because sometimes we don't, you know, we what happens is our intuition's going, oh, don't do that because it's not quite right, but it looks so juicy so we ignore it right. and, you know, and then we go, yeah, but then I'm. does that mean I'm never going to get what I want? No, it means you just have to become more of who you really are and then you'll get what you want in such a way that it will truly work for you. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Oh well, if if somebody gave me a date, I'd, I'd get a big part. I'd have a big party. Yeah. Um, right, that's um, a good start. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I there's a. Um, I believe that one of the Native American traditions is they have something called a giveaway. You know, so that in you know when they said their time is coming, rather, you know, rather than having a will, mm. they just while they're still around, they they give all their stuff to you know whoever they want to pass it on to, which I suppose saves a lot of arguments. So that's yeah. probably what I would do because I, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be needing it myself anymore. Very logical and very practical. Well, well see, so the thing is, is because I, you know, I have been doing my best to live my life, um, you know, in this integrated way for so long. I mean, there's probably a few things that, are, you know, aren't quite as, quite as in alignment as, as I'd like, but pretty much I'm there. So there's nothing drastic that I would need to do, no. The last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things I know about life for sure. Well, I know that the more that we are who we really are, the more fulfilling life will be. Yeah. I know that for sure. I know that unfortunately uh, we also we live on a planet where most of society, not only are a lot of people not being who they really are, but the codependency in our society isn't just for individuals, it's, it's actually social, it's set up in our institutions. And as a consequence, there is an intense pressure on a lot of people to not be who they really are, to, to be what someone else or the society wants them to be rather than being who they truly are. So, you know, that's the second thing I know, unfortunately. And the third thing that I know is that, uh, however, I believe that, well, or I know that we are living at a time in which because for me, in many ways, humanity has, it's kind of like they've been at spiritual puberty for a long time, you know, humanity. Yeah. I said that to one of my clients yeah. once and they said, oh, does that mean we have spiritual acne? <laughs> yeah, lots of it probably. <laughs> yeah, well, so, and 
And if you think, you know, yes. So I, I do believe that humanity as a whole is currently undergoing a, a transformation. And that transformation means that, um, just like most teenagers, when we reach that point, because unfortunately, one of the things that I do know is that power is much easier to acquire than wisdom. Mm, yeah. And so most of us acquire some power before we acquire wisdom. And that's certainly true of humanity as a whole right now. Okay. So that we, that is why, unfortunately, tragically, some teenagers never make it to adulthood because they're using their, their power so unwisely that um, you know, the consequences are lethal. So humanity as a whole, you know, is sort of undergoing that kind of process right now. And it's, I guess for a lot of people, it's still an open question. Like will, will humanity make it through this and get to a point of, if you like, maturity as a species, like where we, we go from having a codependent society to having an interdependent society. And one thing I know for sure is that learning the skills of intuition and the systems-based thinking that goes along with that, or the integrity-based thinking that goes along with that, that is the key to that transformation because it's what enables us to not just support our integrity but to support our integrity, the integrity of others and the integrity of all things, including the environment. And that's what we need to learn if we're going to go from having power to having wisdom and really co-creating an amazing future for all of us that includes a really healthy environment and all the rest of it. I love your wisdom, Catherine. Thank you again oh, for sharing that. Sweet. In Thank a, you. Oh, you're very welcome. In a joyful and playful way. I love your sense of humor too. Beautiful presence. Ah. Wow. Well, as I said, life is for fun and learning. So, All right. Why not learn while having fun? I agree. Ah, absolutely. We always learn better when we're having fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No, not too. Well, sometimes we need to get a little serious, but I agree. Always playful in between. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Okay, right. Well, um, starting with the book, of course, The Soul's Brain, The Neurology and Logic of Your Intuition. You know, sold where all good books are sold. Um, so wherever you get your books, you can pick it up. If they don't have it in stock, I'm sure they can order it in or you can get it in ebook or, you know, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, my website, because uh, the work that I do is called Fractology. So the, the website is fractology.info. So it's because you know, it's information about fractology. So it's fractology.info. There's information there about uh, the intuition, including uh, various you know blogs and stuff. I think one of the more recent blogs I put up there is about the different languages of your intuition. But that's, that's also connect. I've recently started a, a little YouTube channel. Uh, so the, the YouTube channel is called Living Intuitively. Um, so you can, if you subscribe to that, I put out uh, little videos every week. And if people want to uh, have any questions that they want me to answer, you know, I'm always happy to do that if they leave those sort of in the comments or whatever. 
I'm all I'm happy to do a video about that. But the that that YouTube channel is about all the like different aspects of intuition. There's also some things about the, up there about the energy of the current situation and all that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I have a Facebook page which is Dr. Catherine Wilkins. Um, I'm not really on Twitter, so yeah, pretty much that's it. The Facebook page, Dr. Catherine Wilkins. The website, fractology.info. The YouTube channel, Living Intuitively, and of course, if if you really want to read about some more of those principles of intuition that we've been talking about and do the exercises, then you know, go and get a copy of my book, The Soul's Brain, and uh, you can read all about it and work through those exercises. And uh, in the, the book, there's also it, it, it has um, links to meditations and things to help you as well. So there's plenty of resources out there. Wonderful. I'll have those links also on your podcast profile. Oh, great. Thank you so much again, Catherine, and we'll talk soon. Right. Thanks for having me. It's It's been fun. I know. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Catherine Wilkins and her work, please visit fractology.info. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.